Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we are wrapping up Munch or Madness Week. Mm-hmm. And today I get to bring you a case. I'm excited. You're No one's going to believe this case. Oh. I have a feeling that by the end, everyone's going to go, holy shit, Charnel, you made that whole thing up and you need help. Wow. Which we might think that because after my case, we question reality you know, humanity and truth mm-hmm. of all kinds so this one's gonna make you be like more so like wow there were many people who just dropped a serious a series of big balls mm. usually i like a series a of big drop, balls huh? by the way but <laughs> not this time not when you can't handle them nope and some people can't nope nope so nope. this this was this is interesting so i'm gonna tell you about mary beth Rowe. That is what she was born as. Later, she gets married. And we're just going to jump right into it. Because I'm going to start first with her. Uh Uh-huh. And then we'll get into muncher madness. And I'm going to have an argument, and I want your opinion, and everyone else as well, of do you think she's a a qualified candidate for Munchausen's? Okay. All right. Munchausen. Well, I will take my mental notes and... Okay. Well, give you just, my two cents because it's it's valuable. Mm-hmm. So, and if you have not, if this is your first episode listening to us, welcome. Hi, how welcome. are you? Welcome. How you doing out there? Uh, go back and listen to the previous episode because Amber did a really nice job covering some of the criterion that would in the DSM would have you diagnose with a Munchausen diagnosis, mm-hmm. also called fictitious disease. And that's what this week is about. It's kind of shedding some light on that. It's a good week. Yeah. Catch that episode to learn more. I think you did a great job. I, we don't need to repeat it, really. Yeah, yeah. So, but good. those were some of the, if if you listened, some of the um, criteria yeah. that. And I'll highlight them as we go across them here for Mary Beth as well. All right. So Mary Beth Rowe was born to Ruth and Alton Lewis Rowe on September 11th, 1942, in the small town of Dwaynesburg, New York. Oh, this is a first, I feel like. Yeah. New York. New York. I know. We don't get a lot of New York. That's so true. What are they doing right up there? I know. We've had a lot of California, Missouri, Michigan. California. (laughs) Ooh, buddy. Yeah. Oh, gosh. There's not a whole lot of information, everybody, about Mary Beth's formidable years during some of this time her father was actually deployed overseas fighting in world war ii while her mom was working so it sounds like it was kind of unremarkable but there are there is a little bit of things that i could dredge up and it was the same information everywhere so i Mm -hmm. feel pretty confident about it with mom working i mean it's world war ii era yeah right mom's working her tail off dad's overseas she was kind of shuffled amongst relatives which I really think is quite common for the times as well. And unfortunately, one of the elderly relatives, I saw that it was an elderly grandmother in one source. I saw aunt in another. So I can't confidently say 
which is which, but it was an elderly relative, told her that she was an accident and an unwanted child. <gasps> Why do people do that to I their children? I don't know. And children. I know older people get, the older they get, the less filter they have. And I have empathy for that because I'm getting there too. I'm, a, I'm getting a little batty myself, but, but I would not never. not with children. No. Don't tell children I've that. heard several stories of that happening. It's like, why would you want them to feel that way? It's correct. I, I don't get it. Some people are just mean. They like, are. Sometimes people are just mean, which I think was on Where the Heart Is, Natalie Portman. Where, well, I agree with where her. Where are my 1990s movies fans? <laughs> but no, I think that there's no other reason you would do something like that other than to make that child feel yep, unwanted exactly. or... Well, and it's it, cruel. It did for Mary Beth because when her little brother reached adolescence, Mary Beth told him, quote, you were the only one they wanted, not me, end Aww. quote. When her dad, Alton, came back from the war, he worked as a press operator in a nearby GE facility, which was the area's larger and largest employer at the time. As a small child, Mary Beth was very, very prone to basically being a shithead. She okay. had tantrums. Classmates at that time that were later interviewed remember her as being really, uh, as a child, being really loathsome, tireless. She was always attention-seeking, and she never, ever handled discipline well at all. She didn't like authority, didn't like to be disciplined, was... Was a snot, a, mm. a, just a bratty, so just a child, thief, a thief of joy mm -hmm. all the way around. Yeah, yeah, she was kind of like Chucky. And just, <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. She just wasn't without the murder at that I was point say, in time. Sometimes Chucky has a good sense of humor, and I respect that. Right. So maybe even worse than Chucky. Yeah, that's true. I never so. watched it because I'm not into scary stuff. My and mother exposed us to all of the movies, which probably explains why I like true crime now. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> we will talk about that later. I know, when I, I know Chucky like the back of my hand, and I hate to admit <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, gosh. I call him Chuck, even. I mean, I did see a meme with him with that doll relaxing in a beach chair, and it said, when you used to be crazy, but now you just want peace. <laughs> I was like, yeah. That's actually really good. I like that. Right. <laughs> so, so anyway, so that was her as a small child. But as a teenager, it was very different. It's like no one remembered her at all. When they were interviewing high schoolers that she went to school with, like front classmates, they were like, mm, yeah, she was kind of like a non-entity. She oh, was really not good. Super she quiet wasn't or? bad. She just was. Oh, wow. Like, Forgettable, essentially, which I was like, that's, well, that's pretty bad. That <laughs> is terrible, especially if she was a really big attention seeker as a small child. Like that must have, as she grew. I feel like that is probably everyone's biggest fear to be insignificant that Completely way. Completely invisible. Your classmates are like, yeah, yeah, she was like a piece of furniture. Right. Just oh, that's there. right. I did go to school with her because she's in my yearbook. But like, but I don't who was that girl? Yeah. So, wow, okay. Now, as an adult, Mary Beth once claimed that her father abused her when she was a child. And this was actually during a police interview in 1986. She told an investigator that her father had beaten her and locked her in a closet. But during court testimony, she then denied that her father had any bad intentions, saying, quote, my father hit me with a fly swatter. Then she told the court because he had arthritis and his hands were not of much use. And when he locked me in my room, I guess he thought I deserved it. 
So, I mean, you've got to remember the disciplinary practices at the time. She was born in 46. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they were different than they are today. Yes, they would have been different. Her being locked in her room and hit with a fly swatter back then would not have been seen as abusive, but it sounded as if she was almost trying to use her childhood as not only excuses for what she does later, but also for attention. Gotcha. I was an abused child when really she wasn't. Her parents really weren't around. So she was very average in school. She went to Duanesburg High School. She graduated in 1961. Following high school, she worked at various low-paying, unskilled jobs. Gosh, I hate I know. to say this, but everything's just like so average. Mundane. About her. Yes. I know. That's how I felt typing this. I was like, okay, low-paying, unskilled she- jobs. <laughs> Like she did okay in school and went and got an okay, okay job, job doing stuff okay that's not things. great. Yeah. <laughs> she did right. a subpar job at her low paying job. Exactly. It just sounded, I, that's how I felt writing it. I was like, oh, give Mary Beth, give, give me, me something. something that I can write. And unfortunately, it doesn't get any better because she wanted to go to college, but her grades were not good enough. And, at, you know, so at the time in the 60s, as a woman, you wanted to go to college, you had to have the grades yeah. to do so. And she didn't. So she just kind of went from job to job, just boom, 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 boom. That sounds about right. That's too bad. I know. So she eventually settled on a job as a nursing assistant. Oh, there it is. There it is. If you recall from Amber's episode, a lot of people who end up with Munchausen syndrome were in some sort of caretaking role at some mm-hmm. point in time in their life. So she's a nursing assistant at Ellis Hospital in Schenectady, New York. And I want y'all to know that I wrote it in my notes phonetically, and it looks like ski neck diddy. <laughs> so if I accidentally say that, now you know why. No, no. It is now ski neck diddy, ski neck diddy for the remainder. <laughs> it's way catchier. Oh, gosh. So, that, so Schenectady is about 10 miles north of Duanesburg. In 1963, Mary Beth met Joseph Tinning on a blind date with some friends. Now, Joseph was a quiet, happy-go-lucky guy, and he actually worked at the GE plant with her father mm-hmm. as okay. well. I bet this date was boring. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was an okay date It at was an, an okay average place. <laughs> average date. With quiet Joe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Low average conversation and yeah. Definitely. I I think we know how it went. I'm pretty sure that we can probably guess how every one of their children were. With a dull kiss at the end. Yes. Their their children were made with just average. Missionaries. I was just going to say supine missionaries. (laughs) Quiet intercourse. Exactly. No one knew what was going on. (laughs) With a quiet birth, yes. Absolutely. So they marry in 1965, and their first child, Barbara, was born in May 1967. Now, following in January 1970, Joseph Jr. was born. Okay. So it might have been mundane, okay, missionary but sex. But we're getting but, it in, though. Right. We are getting it in. we got the time. Because first, you know, May 67. They were probably getting it in. At an average rate. Yeah. (laughs) That year. 
That's right. That's true. Once a week, every look up the average American couples Saturday you know, night, and every that would Saturday be what they night. Yes. <laughs> yep. Every Sunday they had pot roast. It was yep. very routine and mm-hmm. comforting and uh, normal. Absolutely uh-huh. average. So yeah. So they marry in '65, have Barbara in '67, and then in May '67, and then in January 1970 they have Joseph Jr. Now at this time. To family and friends, they seemed like a perfectly normal and loving family. People did mention that Mary Beth was strange. Okay. And that the children were always immaculately, super intensely clean, well-behaved, and dressed very well. Mary Beth appeared to, to dote on them, and she, by all appearances, seemed to be a loving wife and mother. In At least she got noticed for something, you know. Yes. No. To be strange. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's weird. She's weird. We're taking note now. Yep. She went from a brat to a nobody to, she's man, weird. that chick is weird. Mm-hmm. Yep. But her kids are well taken care of. Yeah, so, it sounds okay, like it. Is what it seems like. In October 1971, Mary Beth's father died of a sudden heart attack while working at the GE facility. And she was in her seventh month of pregnancy with her third child, Jennifer. Now, Barry, Barry, Beth. <laughs> 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 you know, it is hot on the market, so flavored meth would be berry. actually a really good idea. Berry, berry meth. Wow, sorry about that, guys. Mary Beth did not take the sudden death of her father well at all, understandably Rightfully so. so. Yep. She was inconsolable. Her crying was noted as being uncontrollable. And 10 weeks later, Jennifer was born on December 26th, the day after Christmas, and take note of that date because we are going to come back to it. But Mary Beth was, was really close with her dad and, or had, you know, had developed a very close relationship with him. And so the suddenness of shocking. his passing, yep, was very shocking and to that, her it would while she's worst. going through pregnancy. Yeah. Taking care of two young children, being a wife. I would know. not be okay. No, no, definitely. Now, 10 days after Jennifer was born, sadly, she died of meningitis, and she had actually never come home from the hospital. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's horrible. And think about it. She had just, let's see, it was 10 days after she was born, and Jennifer was born 10 weeks after. You know, we're talking two and, in a span of two and a half months, she loses her father, and she lost a baby. In oh. contrast to how she appeared at her father's funeral two months earlier, at Jennifer's funeral, she was not crying uncontrollably. Uncontrollably, she actually was not crying at all. She appeared dazed and cold. Wow! This is actually where experts believe that things started to go deeply wrong okay. for Mary Beth. She had received a very large outpouring of love and support from the death of baby Jennifer. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Yes. Then, 15 days after the death of Jennifer. Mary Beth took two-year-old Joseph Jr. to the Ellis Hospital emergency room in Schenectady, claiming that he had experienced a seizure, seizure and choked on his own vomit. Joseph Jr. stayed in the hospital for several days under observation before being released when doctors found nothing wrong with him at all. On January 20th, 1972, just a few hours after his release, Mary Beth brought Joseph Jr. back to Ellis Hospital emergency room and Joseph was dead on arrival. His death was attributed to cardiopulmonary arrest. Oh my gosh. I was not 
ready for that. I know. I And I got to tell you, there's a lot of information because there's so much that carries on. I am kind of just hitting you with the facts hard and quick. Hitting me. Yeah, you just uppercut me. Yeah. Like, oh, mentally. And get ready because... Your ear's going to be bit off by the end of this. Oh, boy. We are, we're going for it, man. <laughs> they, like, think about this. So her father dies. Then 10 weeks later, she has Jennifer. 10 days later, he dies. Or, excuse me, she dies. And literally, this is in January. I mean, her baby, Jennifer died. Or, excuse me, Joseph died 15 days after the death of Jennifer. Yeah. Two weeks, everyone. This is crazy to me. This is horrible. This then, is a lot for Ski Neck Diddy as well. It is. Ski Neck there Diddy can a lot of loss in the Yes. Wow. In this, this little is, town. It's tragic. Very okay. tragic. Well, I, I need you to steal your words, buckle your bootstraps, baby, okay. because we're going for it. All right. I'm tightening tighten them up. Also, maybe your bra straps too, because you don't want your titties hanging out. No. <laughs> no. We we okay. don't want that for, no. for this case. It's not at classy. All. Then only about six weeks later. On March 1st, 1972, Mary Beth rushed Barbara, who um, is okay. almost five years old, to Ellis Hospital because she had gone into convulsions. The next day, Barbara died after being in a comatose state for several hours. So she's lost all of her children at this point. Now, every one of her children have passed away. That was March 1st. So all of her children have died from giving birth in, on December 26th to March 1st. Wow. <laughs> I am starting to like raise an eyebrow over here at, at Mary. You think? Because. Raise them both. Give me a full brow raise if go. you will. Her death was attributed to Rye syndrome. According to the Mayo Clinic, Rye syndrome is rare but serious condition that causes swelling in the liver and brain. Rye syndrome most often affects children and teenagers recovering from a viral infection, most commonly the flu or chicken pox. Now, can I ask, or maybe I'm asking too, you know, jumping too far ahead, but anybody at this point also wondering what's going on? Or are they just like poor, this poor woman? Or no. are they like, mm. I was looking for that information. That's a big fat nope. Well, in, in later my case, I will talk to you about some, a doctor, but. No one did in my case either, really, mm-hmm. except the one guy. Yes, but yours was one child. True. This like is this multiple. Woman, this woman has lost, and even in the neighborhood, no one was like, holy shit, that is a lot of babies dead mm. from December 26th to March 1st? What? Like, who has that bad of luck? I don't know. I just, just feel like that's <sighs> right? significant. I mean, not that it couldn't happen, but seriously. So she was, Mary Beth Tinning was 29 at this time when this was all going on. On Thanksgiving Day, 1973, so Barbara died in 1972, March of 1972. On Thanksgiving Day, 1973, she gave birth again. I was going to say, don't you tell me she's got, she gives another kid. Mm -hmm. Timothy, on December 10th, three weeks after his birth, Timothy was brought back to the same hospital in Schenectady. He was dead. Tinning told the doctors that she found him lifeless in his crib. Doctors found nothing medically wrong, and his death was officially attributed to SIDS, which if you don't know is sudden infant death syndrome, and it is essentially where the brain stops firing for the infant to breathe, and so therefore 
it's it is just a sudden death of of um, neurons in the brain stop firing and and there's no longer the reflex to breathe. I am over her. And there's a lot of misconceptions about what SIDS really actually is. There was a lot of things attributed to SIDS back in the day that wasn't actually SIDS. Mm-hmm. So I do, I can speak educatedly about that. I did used to teach a college course about all of this. And so there you go. I'm not just like spewing out of my sphincter over here. <laughs> but <laughs> as much as we like to do that. This isn't the case right now. <laughs> no, you are. Not, there's no spewage coming nope. out of your sphincter. You, you can. You're. You're right here in front it's, of me. You're clean. You'd you are it. clean. Right. Yeah. So that's what that was officially attributed to. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm moving through these things. It seems quickly because there's there's a lot. Two years later. No. On, no. Don't you do this to me. On March 30th, 1975, Easter Sunday. Something about this woman giving birth on, on holidays. Us, yeah. Mary Beth gave birth to her fifth child, Nathan. That was in March. On September 2nd, she showed up at St. Clair's Hospital with the baby deceased in her arms. She said she was driving in her car with the baby in the front seat when she noticed that he had stopped breathing. Again, there seemed to be no explanation for his death, so his death was also attributed to SIDS. What? hmm uh-huh. In the car seat. Again, no one's like, oh, it's her again with another dead child. No, this time she was at a different hospital. I was going to ask if it was a different hospital. This one was a different, this was not the Schenectady. This was St. Clair's Hospital. But to just be like, yeah, we don't, and this was very common for the time. We didn't know enough about SIDS. That's why, literally why it's called sudden infant death syndrome is just like, oh, we have this dead baby and we have no explanation for it. But now we actually have the research and the education to know what actually happens in the child's body to cause this. Mm -hmm. There, there it is like, wow, some terrible luck. Another baby to SIDS. Okay. So that was 1975. In 1978, the couple made arrangements to adopt a child. Oh, jeez. The same year, Mary Beth became pregnant again. Oh, God. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't handle this. The Tinnings did not cancel the adoption and chose to keep both children. So in August 1978, they received a baby boy, Michael, from the adoption agency. And then two months later, on October 29th, she gave birth to her sixth child, Mary Frances. Do not tell me it's a two-for-one here. Like, please tell me somebody survives this. In January, I'm just going to keep going. I can't (laughs) answer any of your questions, your probing (laughs) questions. Okay. I told you to strap your bootstraps and tie your titties. It's a bad one. Double knot them, okay? Hold on a second. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. In January 1979... Mary Beth Tinning rushed Mary Frances to the emergency room directly across the street from the apart- her apartment that they were in, saying that the baby had a seizure. The staff were able to revive her, however, and on February 20th, Mary Beth came running into the same hospital with Mary Frances, who was brain dead. Once again, Mary Beth said she found the baby unconscious and did not know what happened to her. Her death was also attributed to SIDS. 
Have a good night. It's been fun. I will see you later. <laughs> and Amber's done. I can't she's do this. Done. I uh, what? That's the third baby. When she's in a rolling row. in, no one's like this. This chick mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. with another kid. Well, That's- and she rolls in, and they're like, "Oh, we revived her. Everything's good." This was January nineteen seventy nine. Then in February, the, she comes back in, and is like, "Yep, now she's bringing now dead. she is yep. dead." Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh my gosh. in this whole time when she's going through all of this stuff, she is receiving sympathy from, you know, like this, I'm so sorry, this is so bad. And I will, after I get through all of it, there's more, okay, of oh. like what people thought. <laughs> but okay. wait, there's yeah. more. Yep. As I had said that she, she had, remember, Michael is adopted. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a biological, a biological child. child to the Tinnings. That's important information. Um, also, I'm going to have questions about what uh, good old uh, Pappy over there is doing he's on a, the sidelines, other than impregnating her. He's a very laid back man. <laughs> of course, he is. we will get to him as okay. well. Why are the men in these always like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> Whatever well, you say. It's the time. Women know the child rearing. Yeah. We leave. The, this is the danger of leaving all the child rearing to the women. No, I'm just kidding. We're <laughs> he's just like, oh, he's just over here like, I don't know. What's SIDS? It's, right. It's, uh, they know, say the doctors say it's time. Said. I'm just an okay guy. I guess well, I'll impregnate I'm, her again. Well, funny that you say that. Once Mary Frances was buried... Uh, Mary Beth became pregnant again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the same year that they buried Mary Beth, Mary Frances, on November 19th, she gave birth to her seventh child, Jonathan. This woman's uterus is just a popping. It's working overtime, man. And this is so unfair. Yes, to all the other people all who the have people that uter- want children. uteri that won't work. Uteri, yeah. yes. Exactly. Yes, so, that won't work and desperately want children. Uh-huh. And she's just pumping them out. Yep. and just to, just to kill them. Uh, Sids them. Whatever. To I don't sids know. them, yes. Well, we'll get to it. Oh, this is horrible. In March 1980... So she, November 19th, she gave birth to Jonathan. Jonathan, And in March 1980, she showed up at St. Clair's Hospital with Jonathan unconscious. But just like they were able to with Mary Frances, he was successfully revived. Due to the family's history, air quotes, Jonathan was sent to Boston Hospital where he was thoroughly examined. The doctors could find no valid medical reason why the baby simply stopped breathing. So Jonathan was sent home. Oh, no. A few days later, no. Mary Beth returned to the hospital with Jonathan. No, nope, no. Nope. And he was brain dead. Oh, my. Oh. Jonathan. I, I, I have nothing. It's. I told you, you all would not believe me by the end I of don't this believe, podcast. I think you're lying to me, and I demand answers. <laughs> <laughs> I demand you make it stop, you witch. <laughs> Tell me no. the truth. You are lying. Jonathan died on March 24th, 1980. Born in November November 19th, 1979. And died March 24th, 1980. This is unbelievable to me. I Every know. time we have a case, I'm like, that. yep, that's it. I've heard it all. Nope. There's more. Well, I, God, I hate to tell you that there is more. So... Take your headphones off so you can't listen. I don't know what to tell you to do. This I just, just it's so shocking to me. Time that for this a has triple happened. knot on those titties. Okay. 
They are going to be really long. Yeah. <laughs> that would be unfortunate. <laughs> For your dating life. Really would. Uh, how did this happen? Well, let me tell you about a podcast. Uh and you know, we have to laugh because kid cases are so hard they for are us hard. all the time. And I struggle with them. Me too. So less than a year later, on the morning of March 2nd, 1981, this was, um, so Jonathan, Jonathan, I'm really good at combining words tonight. Jonathan died March 24th, 1980. So March 2nd, 1981. We've almost made it a year. Mary Beth shows up at her pediatrician's office with Michael, the adopted child. Uh-huh. He's now two and a half years old. He was wrapped in a blanket and unconscious. She told the doctor that she could not wake Michael up. She had no idea what was wrong. When the doctor examined Michael, he was already dead. Now, oh. since Michael was adopted, the long-suspected theory that the deaths of the Tinning family had a genetic origin was discarded. Okay. Thank this you. This whole time with the SIDS, like SIDS and the SIDS, it's the genetics, the, SIDS, the RISE syndrome, seizures, cardiac arrest, bad genes. Like, you guys are just two below-average people with some below-average genes. Yes. Nope. Now they're like, um, All right. what the crap? Michael was adopted. But nothing, nothing has changed at this point in time. Suspicion is now it's 1981, and they're like, mm. maybe. Like, they're just, just now. like, just now. But don't worry. On August 22nd, 1985, that woman gives birth to her eighth child, Tammy Lynn. No. Oh, I'm sorry. On August 22nd. So no, no. Babe, number eight comes shooting out of there. No. Yeah. Literally, probably, never mind. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit, Amber. So here, here, Tammy Lynn was born August 22nd. Oh, my goodness. 1985. And on December 19th, 1985. Next door neighbor, Cynthia Walter, who was also a, a, a nurse practitioner, went shopping with Mary Beth and later visited her home. Later that night, Walter received a frantic telephone call from Mary Beth asking her to come over. And when she arrived, she found Tammy Lynn laying on a changing table. Walter had said that the child was not moving. She could not feel any pulse or breathing at the emergency room. The baby was pronounced dead. I just cannot even with her. I can't. If you're keeping track, that is nine children. This woman. I need has to know what she's doing. Nine children. The causes of the children's death were listed diversely between natural, undetermined, or SIDS. So we have. Remember, we had the Rise syndrome. Uh huh. We had. There was all the SIDS. For Michaels. They were just like um, undetermined. They're like, like, we got nothing. It's not SIDS. It's not the genetics. It's not, yep. They're like, yeah. we're not going to look into this, but we don't know why he died. Even though you've killed all these other kids, we're not yes. going to suspect you at all. Now, what happens is that they were already, they were raising a slight brow at the fact that Michael died and he was not of biological origin. So now that Tammy Lynn died, you know, they're saying, stop in the name of love. <laughs> okay. This seems suspicious now. So what they do is they exhume 
six of the children's bodies. Okay, thank you. After Tammy Lynn had died, but they did not find any signs of abuse. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, what is she? I need to know what she's doing. Now, at this point in time, the community is whispering of foul play. Heck yes. Like, first of all, as a neighbor, and some of my neighbors do listen to this podcast, and they have children. So, like, if... Three, two of your of your kids die in a matter of months of each other. I'm probably going to. I'm going to be doing some gossiping in the neighborhood. What's happening, guys? There's but something nine, strange in the in neighborhood. The, very good. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Nine of them. I'd say the community should be talking. I think a little chitter chatter would be appropriate. <laughs> yes. My gosh, over the bridge every yes. day. Yes, credit to my girl uh, Gladys and Good Heart Murders. That's right. Bridge party. Good bridge party. Gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Do you like how I always like reference my cases I every do. time? I do. I like it. I like how you're always like throwing it back to f- previous cases. I do. So if this is the first case people have listened to, they can be like, like, oh, Ooh. I want to know more. Yep. Tell me more about Gladys. Mm-hmm. So remember, prior to Tammy Lynn's passing, there had been no suspicion found of the sequence of deaths. Now, one of the doctors, Dr. Robert Sullivan, Robert Sullivan in Schenectady, he was actually Schenectady's county chief medical examiner, said, There were so many of us on it that I guess if anyone is negligent, I suppose I am. I probably should have said there must be more to this. But we all think and we don't do. Thank you, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty insightful Dr. there. Dr. Bob, if that is your <laughs> real name. I, I oh my gosh no, I'm this pretty is, sure it is Robert oh, L Sullivan but yeah, so he's probably. like like yeah I'm the chief medical examiner so like I should have but the problem is there were so many of us that were in on it that we were it was basically like yeah this doctor saying this is what happened this is you know they couldn't find any other contrary evidence so they're like okay yeah I guess this poor woman just has really bad luck mm-hmm. like bad genes it's not good enough for me No, no, no. Now, police did start an investigation, and Mary Beth kept denying that she had killed her children. However, they did bring her, even with the six autopsies showing no signs of abuse, they did bring her in for questioning. And after several hours of questioning, she did confess to her husband that she had killed their children, although she said she had not killed all of them. One of the documentaries that I watched, Joe, her husband, Tinning, said, after five or ten minutes, Mary Beth said, I killed Tammy. Very low. She had to repeat it. I had to withdraw into myself. I was hearing it, but I just wasn't reacting. He's like, I, like he wasn't believing. She then writes out a 36-page confession statement. Oh, my. And in that confession, she talked about how she killed three of her children, including Tammy Lynn. So Mary Beth would continue to deny any wrongdoing in the deaths of all but three of the kids, and I'll get to them in a second. She said, I was about to doze off when Tammy woke up and started to cry. I got up and I went to her crib and I tried to do something with her to get her to stop crying. I finally used the pillow from my bed and put it over her head. I held it until she stopped crying. Then I took the pillow and I put it on the couch to convince Joe that she had been sleeping. I screamed for Joe and he woke up. I told Joe Tammy wasn't breathing. I did do CPR, stupid as it sounds, but I knew that she wasn't alive anymore. Mary Beth said that she killed Tammy because she was always crying and that she, Mary Beth, couldn't do anything right. She said of the other children who died, I did not do anything to Jennifer, Joseph, 
Barbara, Michael, Mary Frances, or Jonathan. Uh, Only to these three, Timothy, Nathan, and Tammy. I smothered them each with a pillow because I'm not a good mother. I'm not good. I'm not a good mother because of the other children. So she's trying to say the reason that I killed Timothy, Nathan, and Tammy is because I had lost the other children and it ruined me. Okay. That's what she's trying to say. Okay. One of the forensic anal- uh, analytical techniques used in this case on the autopsies that were performed on some of the children, Dr. Michael Baden talks in his book, Confessions of a Medical Examiner, that one of the cases that he had was Mary Beth. And he talks about Jennifer, which was one of the children that everyone said Mary Beth did not hurt, including herself. She was born with a severe infection and died in the hospital eight days later. It was actually eight days in some sources, ten in others. So Dr. Michael Borden said, Jennifer looks to be the victim of a coat hanger. During the medical examination of Jennifer, they de- he determined that Mary Beth had been trying to hasten her birth and only succeeded in inducing meningitis. So what I'm saying here, guys, is that it all seemed like the death of her dad and then baby Jennifer dying of meningitis is really the beginning of where her problems started because at that point, then suddenly, every one of her children started dying. Just so you know, I still haven't moved past it. I'm... I've noticed that you haven't breathed. No, I should probably take a breath. Yeah. She literally induced her, was trying to induce her own birth by use of a coat hanger, and she gave Jennifer meningitis. Oh my gosh. While doing that. Was she trying to induce the birth or was she trying to terminate the pregnancy? Was it a full term? Was she full term at that point? This is what she was trying to do. Her dad kept predicting that Jennifer was going to be born on Christmas Day. Okay. Please don't tell me that this is why. Like Jesus. And so she had actually started the coat hanger situation much before Jennifer actually came into the world on December 26th. She wanted Jennifer to be born on Christmas Day like her dad wanted. I told you you weren't going to believe me. I don't. I don't believe you. I'm, I am offended that you would lie on this podcast <laughs> right. to our listeners. Oh, and goodness. I'm fired. <laughs> No, seriously. So the police, their theory is that she wanted to deliver the baby on Christmas Day, that she, you know, her her father had died when she was pregnant, so he, she would have felt like she was pleasing him. The unsanitary, just horrible, dangerous. Yes. So many things. Yeah. Just for a Christmas baby? A Christmas baby, because... I get the loss of her father. Like, right? I get it. What? Oh yeah, but no. But no, I mean, you get it. You understand that she wanted the baby to be born on Christmas Day, but not to the extreme of using a coat hanger to induce labor and doing nothing but... I mean, it worked. I mean, she did eventually get go into labor. She, she, essentially, she popped her own water. Mm. You know, she started the labor process one way or another, but also gave Jennifer meningitis, and that's how she died eight to ten days after birth. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she is literally responsible for oh. every single one of them. Uh-huh. They did um, have a SIDS expert come in, by the way, and testify that it, it was the suffocation that the children died of, not SIDS. So thank you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for your insight. (laughs) (laughs) Probably was probably up all night researching. I'm sure. 
What was it? The confession about her putting the pillow over their faces that gave you the first clue <laughs> that it he's, wasn't Sid. He's good. Turns out it wasn't sudden. It was actually that pillow. It's like, listen, guys. The pillow is why they stop breathing. Oh, my. Not the neurons not firing in their brain. Oh. <sighs> so the murder trial of Mary Beth Tinning began in Schenectady County Court on June 22nd, 1987. Dr. Bradley Ford, which was Tammy Lynn's pediatrician, testified on behalf of the prosecution, saying that Mary Beth had dismissed his suggestion that due to her previous children's deaths, she should install a specialized alarm device enabling them and the monitoring of the baby's breathing and heart rate. Two additional prosecution witnesses, Dr. Marie Valdez uh, Depina in of Miami, Florida, president of the SIDS Foundation, and Dr. Thomas Oram, the medical examiner who performed Tammy Lynn's autopsy, said they diagnosed that Tammy Lynn was smothered to death with a soft object. Again, congratulations. That's what she said has happened. Yeah. So, yes, good work, um, fellas. <laughs> the slow clap is deserved. After the six-week trial, six weeks, because they had nine children to exactly. go over. The jury deliberated for 23 hours across three days. I'm sorry. I mean, no disrespect to the jury, but how did it take that long? I know. After the 23 hours, they led to a conviction of Mary Beth Tinning. She was 44 at this point in time. Remember, she was 29 the first time she killed the first three kids. This has been going on a Mm -hmm. long time. They found her guilty on one count of second-degree murder. During their deliberation, jurors called for a readback of portions of Joseph Tinning's testimony recounting his wife's alleged confession to the state police. In his testimony, Joseph said that he had a five-minute conversation with Mary Beth after the police questioning, and she told him, quote, I killed Tammy. She was acquitted by the seven-man, five-woman jury of the count of deliberately causing the infant's death, but was convicted of murder by, quote, depraved indifference to human life count. I'm sorry, what? She was That's the only thing that she depraved indifference to human life for smothering children. Now here's the thing is that the autopsies didn't reveal they didn't reveal anything that the kids could have died from, but they also didn't reveal the other autopsies didn't reveal anything that she hadn't confessed to. Like she confessed to the three in that twenty six page confession. Mm-hmm. She confessed to smothering three of her children. So we can take out the fact that those were all SIDS, you know, deaths, essentially. And we now know that that wasn't. It was suffocation. She literally said she suffocated them. Um, There is no medical evidence to show that the other children died by way of seizures or any other. And what about Michael? That was just undetermined. She's confessed to killing three of her children. Why was she only tried for Mary, uh, or excuse me, for Tammy Lynn's? Because they couldn't, the autopsies proved nothing. Like, they couldn't get oh her gosh, this is on anything else. Mary Beth placed her hands over her eyes and sobbed quietly as the verdict was announced. Joseph later, st- Joseph later said, you're going to hate this, quote, I still think she's innocent. <laughs> Okay, Joseph. He believes that the police forced a confession out of her. For nine children dying. Yeah, Yeah. okay. 
He also just has okay brain cells. <laughs> yes, they're very av- average. Joe has mm, average cells. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, don't get me wrong. We know there's forced confessions. We've seen Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But I'm not buying it but in this one. No, guys. Nine. You don't just have nine babies and uh, well, excuse me, have eight babies and adopt one and, and they, they all, all die. die. Now, and she she did not admit to doing anything to Michael. Michael was not one of the children that she admitted to killing. Judge Clifford Harrington immediately um, vacated Tinning's $100,000 bail, mandating that she be held in Schenectady County Jail pending her sentencing trial. So Mary Beth's defense attorney, Paul Callahan, requested the minimum of 15 years. Judge Clifford asked Mary Beth if she had anything to, to say, and she read from a written statement. So I wanted to read this to you guys. Quote, I want you and the people of this courtroom to know that I'm very sorry that Tammy Lynn is dead. There is not a day that goes by that I don't think of her. I miss her very much. I just want you to know that I played no part in the death of my daughter, Tammy Lynn. I will try to hold my head high and accept the punishment that society and the court requires for the crime I was convicted of. I did not commit this crime, but will serve the time in prison to the best of my ability. However, I will never stop fighting to prove my innocence. The Lord above and I know I am innocent. One day the whole world will know that I am innocent and maybe then I can have my life back once again or what's left of it. In her statement in court, so she's now saying she had nothing to do with any of the deaths. I'm I'm leaning on the Lord myself right now (laughs) because... I am, Lord be with me. I am just having such a, a hard time comprehending that this could ha- happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, she didn't even acknowledge the rest of the children. It was just no. probably because that was the only one she was found yeah. guilty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was acquitted of So she murder, didn't even acknowledge the other ones. But she was convicted of murder by depraved indifference to human life. Basically like, yeah, you didn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, you mean when she placed the pillow over her baby's head? I'm sorry, yeah. but like I don't She didn't give a shit. I don't understand why they're softening the a murder. Like right. it was a it was a murder. To make a baby stop crying. I just don't I mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't I got nothing. I don't know who I am anymore. The sentence I know. This week is really messed up. It's like question. All, all I know is that we're wearing boots with big straps and our titties are tied yeah, tight. Yeah, lots of boot straps this week. That's, that's <laughs> all I know. Uh, so she received a sentence of 20 years to life, 5 years shorter than the maximum penalty for this crime. You heard me right. 5 years shorter. She was imprisoned at the Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women. After her conviction, she appealed on the grounds that her confession was not voluntarily given and that her conviction was not supported by sufficient evidence. In 1988, her appeal was denied by the New York Supreme Court's Appellate Division. Her first attempt for parole was in March 2007. At the parole board meeting, Mary Beth said, I have to be honest, and and the only thing I can tell you is that I... Know that my daughter is dead. I live with it every day. I have no recollection, and I can't believe that I harmed her. I can't say any more than that. So now she's back to saying she did it. I did it, but I don't remember doing it. All I know is that my child is dead, and she's only talking about Tammy. Yeah, I was just gonna say again, only acknowledging the The, one, the ninth child, not the eight that came before it. 
uh, her parole was denied. In late January 2009, she went before the parole board for a second time. This time she stated, quote, I was going through bad times, meaning when she killed her daughter. The parole board again denied her parole, stating that her remorse was, quote, superficial at best. Yeah, you think? I think they're onto something there. So she was eligible for parole again in January 2011. At that hearing, she said, quote, after the deaths of my other children, I just lost it. She, this was January. After the unexplained uh-huh. deaths of all oh, eight of mm-hmm. my other children. She just lost it. Quote, I became a damaged, worthless piece of a person. And when my daughter was young, in my state of mind at that time, I just believed that she was going to die also. So I just did it. End quote. Oh my gosh, this keeps changing like every time. Right. So here in 2011, she's like, nope, yep, I did it because all the other kids had suddenly died. And I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I didn't do anything. So I know this one's going to, so I just wanted to get it over with. I would just want to be on this board to see what she would say next. Well, she was denied parole again due to her lack of remorse. Because there is none. Right. In 2011, she was supported by people from Georgetown University Law Center and people that she worked with in prison, describing her as the, quote, most loving, most generous, caring person that they had ever met. Yeah, yeah, now, now, people, when she wants to get out of prison. Uh-huh. You know, it's so hard for me when people do this. I have to try to understand that they're working, you know, they're getting close to this person, like knowing the person as a human, and I can see how it could happen, you know. Sure. Listen. <sighs> but listen. it's hard. I won't sit here and try to tell you that every case that I've ever worked that I've hated the perpetrator. Same. That's Some that's of why them are very likable. But at the end of the day, you did what you, you did. did. Yeah, that's the that's the part to me where it's like, and oh. there's accountability for what you did. And it's like I get it because I've had that happen too. Where it's like, you know, I know these things that that you did, but I see the human side of you, and I there's parts of you that aren't so bad yeah you of know? course because but like you said, that's not all i mean as much as we don't want to admit it even a murderer there's more to them than the fact that they're a murderer i know but like you said at the end like, of the day you did what you did right. and, and you have to be held accountable and like she's not even taking accountability i you, mean and that's you know what she gets saying. out she's getting pregnant again <laughs> i don't care if she's 75 well, that woman is just like pow 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 on. i wish we had a bootstrap uh <laughs> sound effect do i have to my feet are dying of circulation (laughs) losing circulation for sure do i have to tighten them again you do there's more here no no um when questioned so she she had another parole hearing in 2013 the last one i left you with was 2011 this is 2013 when questioned about the murder during her appearance she said well it's just i can't remember I mean, I know I did it, but I can't tell you why. There is no reason. End quote. The parole board stated this was an innocent, vulnerable victim who entrusted, who was entrusted in your care as her mother, and you viciously violated that trust, causing a senseless loss of this young life. The board then said discretionary release would so depreciate the severity of the crime as to undermine respect for the law as you placed your own interest above those of society's youth. So she was denied. 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 
Her next opportunity for parole was in February 2015. This one also denies her release, finding that she continued to demonstrate no understanding nor any remorse for taking her child's life. She was denied parole for the sixth time in January 2017 for the same reason. She w- the board ordered her to return um, in 18 months rather than the previous st- standard of 24 months. So they're like, okay, we're denying you again in January 2017, but you can come back in 18 months instead of 24. Oh, I'm looking at these denials as one for every child that she actually murdered that it makes me sad that those got lost in this. Like there's only one that you're right. That was fought for that. She was sentenced yeah, for. Yeah, that's so true. Sad. Well, I'm sorry, but she killed nine children and she was only denied parole six times. Six oh, times. so there was only six because Mary Beth Tinning was 76 when she was released on parole, August 21st, 2018. She had served more than 31 years of her 20-year life sentence before being granted the parole. Her husband, Joseph, who supported her throughout her imprisonment, never divorced her, was present for her release. As part of her release, uh, Mary Beth was to remain under parole supervision for the rest of her life. Well, she's 76. What a punishment. A Department of Corrections spokesperson stated that she lives in, in Schenectady, County in upstate New York. She has a curfew and she must attend domestic violence counseling. Domestic violence counseling now? She couldn't have done that That'll for 31 teach. years she was in prison. <laughs> That'll teach you not to murder your children yeah. at 76. Yes. Sure Good will. choice, guys. Thank you for being very reactive instead of proactive here. Oh my gosh. Lord, Lord help the world. Yep. Experts believed that Mary Tinning's case was to be an early example of Munchausen by proxy. And it was this actually fun fact, this condition was first identified in the 1970s. Another reason why this was not wasn't even on the radar at that point in time, because Mm -hmm. Munchausen's wasn't accepted in the mental health world until the 70s. So they weren't just going to pick up on it that quick. Mm hmm. Though she's no longer in prison, she still has the rules to follow that she um, or she'll be back in prison. Okay, so she's under the supervision of a parole officer for the rest of her life. Like I said, um, so is she still alive today? She is still alive today, living in Schenectady, Schenectady, <laughs> or uh New York, and really um, the county district, the Schenectady County District Attorney Robert Corney has opposed her release, even though he didn't prosecute the case. He told People Magazine that he didn't think she showed true remorse for the murder, citing her inconsistent accounts and mm-hmm. the in the appearances before the parole board. Absolutely. And it's like, yes, th- that's exactly what we were pointing you're out, too. You're making stuff up, and it's not consistent because you don't mean it. So you're just pulling things out of your right. anus exactly. to say to the parole board. Mm-hmm. Carney talks about that, and he's like, also, she maintained that she didn't kill any of her other children, even though she confessed to killing her newborn son, Timothy, and her five-month-old son, Nathan. So, you know, in 73 and in 75, he's like, the problem that I have is that she showed absolutely no insight into her behavior or acknowledged in any way what she did, and she's still able to get out. Like, he's like, I can't believe you say she's rehabilitated when she refuses to admit the true extent of her conduct. It's ridiculous to let someone out that has done that to children. That's exactly what, you know, what their their stance is on it. 
Wow, this is so... And it's interesting that you said that you were... Um, one of the last quotes here from the New York State Senator, Jim uh, Tedisco, Tedisco, yeah, Tedisco, who vocally opposed to her release, told people, quote, I am definitely outraged, but also sad and fearful. Like, this is... For real? Yeah. This is very sad. Like, she's out. She killed nine children. And I get that you don't have the forensic evidence, but could we... Possible, and we don't have Joe. Joe's like, oh no, I believe she's innocent. He's Joe's off working his, you know, his job, being an average Joe, and just letting her do like what, like oh, yep, another, another oh, one another died. So okay, yep, and putting on a show after she suffocates one, and oh my gosh, baby's not breathing, baby's not breathing. I think there's there's a lot of passiveness going on there. Some oh, enabling. So much. Um, it's so sad to me too that. Through all of this, it was only for the one child. The and trial was only for Tammy Lynn. The rest of those children and their stories and their deaths were lost. Well, and, and, that and, and the suspicion was raised when Michael died, the adopted child, but nothing was ever prosecuted for him. Yeah, he's nothing the one that started. Nothing was ever further. Mm-hmm. It just started putting her on the radar. Like I, the eighth child that died put her on the radar simply because he wasn't biologically related. Like that's sad to me as well. And I know this happened over a span of years. And so many different doctors are, you know, she was 29 when the first three died and then 44 when Tammy Lynn died. So this was, we're talking a span of years. We're talking a lot of different doctors and nurses, but, and I didn't find any information where she, when she's telling medical history, if she was lying about how many kids she had. But I don't believe so because I did find the information about how the doctor that testified said, given her family's history, we asked her to put an alarm system on the baby's bed and she yeah. she wouldn't. Yeah. So I do think that this whole time, it's just getting sympathy that whole time. Getting the attention that whole time, having this significant medical, you know, condition. But my question to you is, munch or madness? I think do you madness. think she's just a serial killer? I do. Um, you know, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not an expert on Munchausen's right fictitious disease, but just from what I've read, I don't know that she meets the criteria because she just killed them. There was no maybe. I don't know if she, like, when she would take them in, said, oh, I think they have this or this, but I feel like there what goes with them. Frequent, there was not frequent the frequency of medical visits, like, say, yours did, or her causing physical harm to a child to make them sick so that they would continue to have to have medical right. treatment she like that. She just killed them. She was just, exactly. So I don't so, know. Like I said, I don't, I'm not an expert. I don't want to claim to be, but from what? I think she was just. I think it was some kind of psychotic, you know. I know. I Yes, I agree that perhaps was was triggered by her grief for her dad because there wasn't any information that she'd harmed anybody prior to that. And maybe the attention that went with the losses had something to right. do with it, but I don't know. But also, think about this, though. Her first two children, before the loss of her dad, her first two children were well taken care of, were alive and healthy right. for years. Yeah, and the, and you said, I mean, they were dressed perfectly. Yes, they, they were, were clean. She was well a groomed. good mom. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, her dad dies, and she's putting a coat hanger 
to induce labor and gives the child meningitis, then all of a sudden the two perfectly healthy children that had were, what did I say, five and two, uh, you know, are all of a sudden gone. I, I agree with you. They literally, every article that you read on this says expert believe that hers was an early example of Munchausen by, Munchausen by proxy. But I, I agree with you. I think there's a strong argument here that, no, something happened in her grief. Mm-hmm. And she was just serial killing her children. A lot of untreated, you know, not dealing with the, the grief. Her own childhood trauma of not being wanted. And mm-hmm. not, you know, in, in having the pain of knowing that, that she was an unwanted child, having people tell her that. And I don't know if I believe with her, because her stories have changed so much, I don't know if I believe the confession of I only killed, you know, these four or three, three. or whatever. It was three. Um, mm-hmm. But I do believe there's some truth about what she said about it, that I thought I, I wasn't a good mom, so I just killed the yes. other ones. Yes. I, yeah, I, I would do agree believe with there's that. some truth to that, yeah. but I don't. Or think think about this. Remember her statement of "I just believed that she was going to die anyway," right? Yeah. What do you feel about that? The sudden death of her dad, of just you know what, we're all just going to die anyway. True. That there could be something so there. I think you're onto something. Before I can grow attached to you and you can die on me, I'm you're just gonna going die to die anyway. Kill you. So I'm going to mm-hmm. do it now. Yep. Uh, yeah. I think I right. I just I do believe maybe one of the children did die. Do you? I mean, do you think she did killed all of them, or do you think there may have been like one that was an actual death, and maybe that spun her madness? Or do you think she killed them all? I think she killed them all. Because let me take you through. They were all unexplainable, right? Yeah. Oh, Sids. It's Sids. Yes. The first, right after. I mean, okay, meningitis. All right, she couldn't have known that she caused the baby to have meningitis. Okay, so going with your theory, let's think about that for a second. The dad died. She was trying to have the baby, Jennifer, and she induced the pregnancy with the coat hanger. That's not her first baby. Okay, gotcha. That is the first baby that died. Okay, the other two were alive and well, and her dad was alive and well. Life Mm -hmm. was good. Mm -hmm. Dad dies. She gives birth to Jennifer. Jennifer dies. So going by your theory of what you had just said a few minutes ago of, you know, do you think that she killed all of them or do you think that it was just like, you know, the domino effect of one of them dying? I don't think she purposely killed Jennifer. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I purposely, I'm... she is responsible for it. She gave the child meningitis. Oh, 100%. But, she, but she, I think what that she did... was trying to do, I, I think was what she was trying to do. I believe, I agree with the police was trying to have the baby on Christmas day to satisfy her dad, yeah. to please her dad. That grief was still so raw there. So it could have been, like you were saying, that child died a seemingly, you know, of, of meningitis. It's just like everyone dies. Mm-hmm. My baby died. My dad died, you know, suddenly and unexplained. So I do kind before of, these, the rest of them mm-hmm. can. And, and there were be years honest. between pregnancies too. Like maybe she really didn't want to have more kids. Yeah. But Joe's. Oh, you know, Joe's sperm was more than okay. Pumping, you know, those kids, (laughs) right? But no, I do, I do kind of lean toward that as a possible theory that it was, like you said, a domino effect of that happening, and the grief, the the unresolved grief. Yeah, and it wasn't intentional with Jennifer. However, maybe that's where that started. Of I'm not a good mom because she did cause the death. She did, right? Right. Maybe it wasn't intentional. 
the way then. she did it, but mm-hmm. but she did cause it, and then maybe that did spin. Because I do think there's some some truth to her saying that. Well, I'm not a good mom, so right. I killed the other ones. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a good mom because of the other ones. Yes, is what she was. Yeah, but I and, don't like. I said I'm not claiming to be an expert because because I'm not. You know, I've never course. actually worked with someone that has Munchausen's, but I don't think that's what it is. Yeah, I I think that there is a strong argument that it's not mm-hmm. that it doesn't fit all the criteria, you know, the or even enough. But I'd love to criteria. hear people weigh in. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I didn't, we and don't. I actually probably will go review some things after this mm-hmm. to see see you know gather more of what I think. But um, but no, I, my ultimate, I think it's madness. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I I am with you there too. Only because there was not more. Um, attention-seeking financially uh, with the press. There wasn't more attention-seeking medically mm-hmm. at all. It was just like that one, you know, there were two incidences where they took, where she took the child in and they were revived. And then a short time later, she they took them back again. in and they uh-huh. were brain dead. So with the I, I don't even know that I would call that specific. I think that she took the child in thinking it was going to die and they ended up bringing the child back. Yeah, she's and like, so then she's like, I okay, yep. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, well, just when the, with the Munchausen's cases that I've known of it, there's that component of like, I'm caring for this person who just has so many things wrong. And you know, there's that part of the extreme, like they have all these illnesses mm-hmm. going on and I'm right. caring for all of these illnesses with this person and they keep right. getting worse and worse. worse. With her, she just kills them. Yeah. They're just which like we said in your episode, it typically does not end until the person dies. Yeah. It's it just keeps building up. Right. But there was no build up. Like there's no information that these child these children were sickly leading up to this. That's why all the sit they're just like, Oh, SIDS. SIDS. Like this SIDS, it's nothing. SIDS. Yeah. Every child is perfectly healthy up until that point. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I am leaning towards madness rather than Munchausen. I agree. I do. So, but this is just the craziest thing I've ever heard. I know. I told you. You weren't. I, I, right? Listen, bitch. Now you're going to listen to me when I say you're not going to believe me and strap yourself, all your I sensibles tightened, in. I tightened my boots so tight I'm not going to be able to walk out of here afterwards. So are you ready for a brain bath? Oh, I am so ready. I feel like after that, we got to bring it big. Yes, please do. And you know that sometimes I like to have little like themes with my brain baths and whatnot. So today we're on womenshealthmagazine.com and we're telling some funny sex stories. All right. Let's hear them. why not? If you, you know, if you don't laugh during sex once in a while, you're doing it wrong. This was from a Heather R. Okay. She says, quote, I was hooking up with this dude for months. But it wasn't consistent. So when I went over to his place, I realized when I got there that I was not, let's just say, 100% prepared down there. I explained the situation to the dude and gave him two options. We can roll with it or you can let me borrow your razor with a totally new razor head because, duh, bacteria. I like how she's offering choices. Right, right. Like, this is what we're going to do here. <laughs> like this is you your do option. a child. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So he opted for the second choice, of course. And I hopped in the shower, still very drunk, and shaved everything. How I didn't slip in the shower or cut myself while drunk is beyond me. But mission accomplished, and the sex after was actually the best ever with that guy. So, yay. Well, I guess it's a win. I like how she's like, I gave him two options. Yes. Okay. Here are your choices, But I like pal. how she's like, here's the sitch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The downtown's been neglected. Yeah. 
She needs a little We're tidying up. We're going to need some, some tending to. Yes, yes. Very good, very good. This one I would do. This was by Emily B. Quote, I was hooking up with a guy, and I didn't eat much that day. When we got in the shower to have sex, I actually started to pass out. <laughs> the guy had to help me out of the no. shower, dry me off, and basically become my doctor. I was so embarrassed. Like you always want to get some protein in if you're going to be. <laughs> Grab some cheese, honey. Yes. Something. Like, oh, if you made it into carbs. the shower, you were probably by the refrigerator. Exactly. And just be like, Excuse me, let me fuel up for a second. <laughs> just need a quick because, little snack here. No, that's important. And cool while we're telling these stories that there's two teenagers yes. right outside the studio. Perfect. Perfect. Great. Great. <laughs> the heading of this one turns out he had a whole child. Oh, I'm listening. <laughs> this was by Melanie. Quote, I was hoking, hoking. She was hoking. I was hooking up with this guy for about three months, but he would always come to my place since I lived near the town center with all the bars. Makes sense. Okay, yeah. sure. But one night I finally went to his house to hook up. And when I went to the bathroom to clean up afterward, oh God, I noticed a bunch of kids clothes on the floor and a small toothbrush. Turns out he had a whole child. Three months and I never knew. Oh my gosh. I like the description. A whole like, child. A whole child. There like, was can a you believe it? 100% full One child. whole child. <laughs> like, Those are good. Uh, yep. Those are good. You know, I wanted to bring you a few. I need you to get a nice little <laughs> going. <laughs> Just like that. Yes. Yeah. Before I left you after that. Horrendous case. So. I, I needed a triple cleanse, yes. so I appreciate it. I am nothing if not thorough yeah. <laughs> with my <laughs> cleansing. That was, wow, that yeah. was a lot. So that's it, guys. Uh, hey, send us case suggestions if you'd like to crimecurious at yahoo.com. We'll cover them. And in, in time, we, we will. We will. We, will. we, have, a, uh, we have a list. Yeah, we so sure, certainly do. We're, we're working through it. And follow us on social media. Interact with us. We love it. We mm -hmm. love it. We love mm -hmm. hearing from you. So, you know, tell your friends about us. That'd be great, great. <laughs> great. great. And um, until next week, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.